Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Well, round four is done and dusted. Um, so just quickly before we get into each of the games, we're just going to do a quick recap on our scores and stuff. So I'm going to start off with you, Thomas. How did you go this weekend? Uh, it could be better. could be also a lot worse as well. I ended up on like 2165 or something like that, which is not terrible considering I don't Missed out on McRae, which I don't have, and Brody went berserk, which was pretty frustrating. Um, pretty Looked pretty good leading up to that game, but then fell apart a little bit towards the end, and Cripps obviously doing his hammy. Um, we'll get onto that later, but overall not too bad, which you can't really complain. So hopefully, um, I don't think I'll increase too much in rank as per last week, but probably just a steady, steadier this week, hopefully, and then make a few trades and grab some players in for the next week. Yeah, and uh, Jonas, how did you go this week? Yeah, pretty average, like Tom, 2-1-90. It was a pretty pretty hit and miss week. Some players went well, and then others either burnt me if I didn't own them, like Wits and McRae, or just let me down, like uh, Hinge and Butters and Cherry and even like Cornelio to a lesser extent. So hopefully next week the scoring's a bit better. Yeah, I'll, I got the 2-1-5-4 this week, and unfortunately I lost to Thomas by about 10 points in our head-to-head league. So a um, bit of a rough start for me. Um, uh, I'm just going to start off with a, with a hero, so I like doing this. So Max Gorn, 160 points. He actually got his broke even, which was 160 as well. Um, so for those of for those people who were hoping he might have a bit of a drop, well, it seems that that's the end of his drop. Um, and Dud, Zach Butters, don't know what's happened to him. I think we're going to talk about him shortly, but he's just fallen off a cliff. Um, and I think a lot of people now might be licking their wounds when they see Butters and Heaney were pretty much just about the same price, and Heaney's now very much higher. So, yeah, anyway... Um, so we're going to get stuck into each of the games now. So um, I'm going to disappear because I'm going to share my screen. So this is obviously Fan Footy, um, which is a free website that you guys can go on to track your Supercoach scores if you haven't got the Herald Sun Plus subscription or Supercoach Plus. Um, so obviously um, one of the big players, are Travis Bokes, um start to the season has been astronomically he's got another hundred plus score here um thomas can you keep this up uh um, throughout the year or is he gonna fall at some point hard to say now i mean each week you expect him to fall off a cliff and it probably you probably think it's melbourne against a pretty tough midfield to do the same but to score 117 against the premier midfield in the competition um is no you, you can't um knock him for that and i think a lot of people went tom green this week as a cheaper option after scoring quite well. If you went both, you could do one even better. Um, obviously, 35 disposals, I don't think his efficiency was that great. Um, but to score 117, you can't complain. And if he keeps doing that, you probably missed the boat, unfortunately. But if you want to go different, um, I wouldn't knock you for, for doing that. Port surely will come good at some point. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. And if they do so, I think Boke will benefit a fair bit. And he's known to score 150s and 160s in a winning team. So, yeah, he's one that I think a lot of people will naturally miss out on because obviously you probably missed the initial point scorings he's had. And 117 has been one of his lower scores. But if you compare him to the likes of Oliver Steele, Miller, McRae, he's the one that's actually pumped out consistent scores throughout the board in comparison to the, all the others who have at least had one sub-100 game. Yeah, and uh, next next player on our list here is uh, it's my rage trade or my dud of the week, Zach Butters. What's happened to him, um, Jones? Have, have you got anything on what's happened to him, or is he just tanking? Um, I think in that third week when he got bumped, I'm not sure he fully recovered from that. And I think his scoring is also a byproduct of the fact that Port Adelaide are getting absolutely annihilated through all areas of the ground. Um, I think he was on 18 at halftime, so he did well in the second half to scalvage basically a, a 60. But I think now 
he's going to have a pretty hard break even. But he's one where I'd be holding because he's not even at a really elevated price and he still has primo potential. So he's one where I think he can come back and score well. And we saw that in the opening two weeks. So if Port bounce back and start winning a few games and Butters has an extra week off from that um, power pepper hit, maybe we might see another 100. But I wouldn't be trading him just yet, especially with some of the other injury concerns we've recently been dealt. Yeah, and obviously, Pale Pepper, I gave him a bit of a spray last week for his hit on uh, on Butters and told him not to do it again. So I'm glad he didn't do it again. But <laughs> I think the damage has already been done. Um, So do you have to finish the season with Max Gordon? Obviously, got 160, um, which I think was the first time that him and Gorn actually, him and Jackson both got over 100. In fact, they both got over 120. Um, do you think that this might be a, a bit of a comeback here for Gorn, or you still got your questions about his um, long-term potential, uh, Thomas? Um, I think for the price he paid originally, probably it was a bit long time coming, unfortunately, for him. Um, but, yeah, he did dominate. Like said, was out of the game quite early, and he, he reaped the benefits. Um, finally put a 160 on the ball, which is what you paid for. Um I don't think I have my doubts with regards to his scoring potential as shown by his 160. Um, but I think this year is a year that you could probably get away with having, you know, a cheaper ruck set up, obviously with Perus and Wits. Their durability is obviously a bit of a concern. It's a long season. We've just started. So it's, you know, question marks on whether they continue. But but you obviously probably could get away with it, which which obviously helps. Um, whether or not Gorney can, can put it back-to-back, back, it is yet to be seen. And he's, I think he's just bit more of a safety barrier pick than anything um, because you can afford to, you know, rest well, but he's going to score pretty well or pretty consistently um, against pretty much any Ruckman, which is which is obviously nice to see. And it's nice to see actually tore the game apart when Lysette went down. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this one back to you as well, Thomas, because I don't think you've got this player, Jonas. Um, but, Jack Bowie, what, what are you going to do with Bowie this week, Thomas? Uh, I mean, I'm giving Jonas it your an owner. Yeah, I mean, Jonas can speak as a non-owner as well. But, um, yeah, Bowie's a bit of a concern. He got moved to a... I mean, I don't know, because I wasn't at the... I didn't watch the game, unfortunately. I had another commitment, but... Um, he got listed on a wing. I don't know if he actually played on a wing. I think he played higher up the field from the bits and pieces I saw of the highlights. Unfortunately, he may have lost that kind of um, super coach friendly halfback role because Jake Lee is back in the side, which has pushed him up a bit. But it could also have been because Port was terrible and the ball barely went down the defensive half. So it's, it's very hard to gauge. Um, scoring obviously suffered a fair bit. He's one that obviously... 11 disposed and still scores a 50. I guess it's not the worst because he barely touched the ball. Um, he does spend a bit of time on the bench, which is a bit of a concern as well. He, us- he usually starts off quarters off the bench or like finishes quarters off the bench. So it's a bit of a concern. Um, for me, I originally had in my trade plans, obviously Cripps being out for three to four weeks most likely throws that out the window. Um, so if I able to use a trade boost and potentially get him up to a premium, I might, but I might just have to hold fat with him and, and hope for another decent score against who they play next week. Um, GWS. Yeah, the yeah, Giants at the so MCG. Could actually work well for him wide ground against a team that um, aren't looking the best. So it could be a hold for another week. But even then, I'd, I would like to get him out. But unfortunately, I think just with how it goes, I might just have to get Cripps um, out of there with an injury and, and hold Bowie, which I don't hate. Um, and if I have the able ability to loop him, I might because he has the potential to stink up, stink it up a little bit. Um, but I'm definitely not too concerned. But he's one that I would definitely want to get to primo status ASAP. Uh, just on that, we normally don't do this. Uh, have you got anything to add about Bowie um, Jonas, given your non-owner? Um, certainly glad as a non-owner that he didn't replicate the form. I think if you can get him down to an O'Driscoll and then Cripps up to someone like a Steel or something, that's certainly a move I'd look at doing. But you can certainly wait another week. I think his break-even will be around 85. And if he scores poorly again, then you know it's time to trade. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the next game. So Geelong v Brisbane. 
Um, so I'm going to put this one to you, Jonas. So can uh, Daniel Rick be a top six defender uh, this year? What, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, he takes the kick-ins, his damaging, accurate kick. But I wouldn't be bringing him in over some of the other more durable options we've got. I think he went went 70 a few weeks ago and had a few injury concerns. So he's one I would be steering clear when we've got some pretty good other options around his price that I prefer who have better scoring potential. Yep, um, I think that's pretty much my thoughts as well. And uh, what about do, 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 what about uh, if you're a Jared Berry owner? Obviously, he came in with a 96 on the weekend, which was obviously uh, very pleasing for both of you guys, given that I think you've both still got Berry. Um, what are you guys going to do with him this week? Are you going to hold him, or do you think it's time to get rid of him? Um, I think, um, James, you got rid of him quite early on, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you hold someone who scores ninety six. Yeah, hundred um, percent. He's one that I was on the chopping block with his kind of inability to finish off games quite well. In regards to super coach scoring, he had this habit of of scoring fifty in the first half and looked really good, and then died off a fair bit. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see against a tough opponent in Geelong as well. He scored ninety six, did a tagging roll in Dangerfield, kept him pretty quiet, and actually looked quite good considering his shoulders pretty much made a paper mache. Um, seriously looks a concern every time he gets near it with his right shoulder. But he did a fair bit of damage, and it was nice to see he didn't get subbed out, so it didn't seem to be too serious. Um, and it's good, yeah, hundred, basically a 100-point score there. Um, you can't really complain with that. And they go into a nice run of fixtures, I think, pretty soon. So if you can hold on a fair bit longer... Um, it'd be nice to rejig that cash gen and, and boost it up, and you can basically direct him to a primo pretty quickly um, once the likes of Rochelle and, and the co start to peter out, which is which is definitely nice to see considering, um, you know, the concerns we had of over him of pre-season. But there is that still concern. His shoulder is a massive worry at times. He, he almost got fairly bad knock early on in that game and didn't look like he was going to return and then came back on. So... Um, yeah, if you can keep his shoulder nice and healthy, I wouldn't see why not. You just keep him and, and let him chug along. Yeah, I think so. So um, we'll move on to the next game now. So Sydney, North Melbourne. Um, so do you simply have to get Isaac Heaney? Um, obviously, I think he's the number one scoring forward at the minute. Um, what do you think about that, um, Jonas? Firstly, how good was McInerney? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he could be maybe a, a sneaky option now. With Haney, yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll be a top six forward, but I think you'll probably be able to get him cheaper, so he's not one I'd, like, dash to get. I think he was on 70 predominantly for that game, and then in the last quarter went big when the game was on the line against North Melbourne. So I don't think he's going to keep up this form. I think he's closer to 100, 105 with the added injury risk. So it's one where I'd, I think, like with Tim English, you'll be able to find them at at a, a, a good price later on. They're not going to be hovering at 600K for the whole season. So, But if you want to bring him in, go for it. But I think maybe that boat has sailed now after after some of those good scores and those good fixtures. So I'm not sure. And... If Papley comes back, is he getting those clutch goals? I don't know. So there's one yeah. where I'd... I think he's a good option, but he's not a must-have by any means. Yep, um, I think that that's probably well summed up. I'm um, just to interrupt you, sorry. So Bowie's got a break even of 82 for next week, Thomas. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. just a. Uh, Heads up there. So if we're obviously doing this on Sunday night, um, but the app's now updated. So um, I know that won't affect you guys that are listening. Um, but anyway, um, so if you have Jake Lloyd, um, would you be concerned with his sort of lowish scoring? He only got 76 again on the weekend. Um, his break-even's probably quite high, I would say, probably up over 100 at least. Uh, um, if you had Lloyd, would you be concerned, uh, Thomas? 
Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I said it in pre-season as well. I was pretty concerned about Lloyd's role on the side uh, with regards to super coach scoring. Unfortunately, I think the ship sailed where he's, where he's getting these cheap possessions and getting consistent 120s and 130s. Sydney's defence is, is generally developed as a whole. You've got Blakey and, and McInerney running off half back into the wings and looking much more damaging than they once were. Um, and even Braden Campbell's developed greatly as a player and he looks real damaging as well. So they're not reliant on, on Lloyd to, to be the main kicker down back and they're, they're spreading the load much more considerably across those other wings. So it makes it fairly damaging, which is uh, nice to see as a Sydney supporter. But I guess if you're a Lloyd owner, I'd be a little bit concerned. He's He's going to score pretty consistent. I think the most concerning thing with Lloyd there was I think he was on like 60-something at half time, and then really paid it off and barely touched the ball in the second half. So he's one of those players that I guess will be consistent to some degree, but with that consistency, you're probably paying well overs for what he's worth. Um, I know people were saying that you're probably paying unders when you got him in the, in the first place to start the season, um, but you look at all the other defenders coming through now, uh, that are scoring probably more more consistently and more stronger wise than him. I'd be a little bit concerned. Definitely wouldn't have traded him. He wouldn't be in a trade category quite yet, but he puts up another 70 um, in a winning team, and especially against North Melbourne, um, I'd be a little bit concerned. Yeah, he's break even's 148, uh, Lloyd, so he's probably going to yeah, go down. Yeah, he'll drop off a fair bit. Um, what about Aaron Hall, Jonas? Um, are you concerned with these sort of, Lower scores. I know 97 is not exactly something to, you know, be ashamed of, but it is down a little bit on what he has done, sort of the 110, 120 mark. Um, is this a concern? How many disposals was he? Was he averaging like 30 last year? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think it was something like that. That's slightly concerning that he's getting a bit less of the ball, but... I think if you've got him, you certainly, certainly hold him. He's still scoring quite well. Um, and then if you're a non-owner, I'd be waiting a few weeks for that price to dip. I think he's still got that role, that really good role. And some of his kick-ins, I was watching a bit of it, some of his kick-ins were immaculate. So yeah. he's, there's no danger of him losing that um, sort of avenue to point scoring. So, no, I still I think, think one, a really good option. Um, yeah. I was going to butt in quickly. I watched this game a fair bit. Um, and I, one thing I noticed was that Hall's pulling off kicks that are almost too, too good for his teammates, something that Brad Hill does a fair bit. Um, and it ends up being a clanger rather than an effective kick, which is a bit unfortunate for his scoring. He's done that a fair bit. Like, he's been quite aggressive in the kickings. And he's booted at about 40 metres in a good direction, but the players aren't reading it as well. So I think... And um, that's causing a fair few turnovers. I think he had a fair few this game as well. So that's affecting a score a significant amount, I think. Yeah, his break even is 154. So he's definitely going to come down in price, um, Aaron Hall. So uh, next game, unfortunately, Collingwood another loss for the weekend. Uh, but uh, Jack Crisp, um, I'm going to throw this one to you. I think, have you got him, Thomas? You've got Chris. Yeah, Bowie, I got, him. You got him. And Jonas, have you got him as well? Did, did you end up not picking him? Yeah, I've got him. Yeah. Okay, so we've all got Chris. So a bit of a yo-yo here gone up, down, no, or down, up, down, and then up again, another 132. Um, what do we think about uh, Jack Crisp here. Um, is this something we should expect from now on, or is he just going to be a bit of a yo-yo player? Um, I'll I'll start with you, Jonas, since you're a Collingwood supporter. What what do you what do you notice anything different about his role or something? His role this week was slightly better. Um, I saw him a bit at halfback, maybe thirty percent, and then at the ball in the centre a bit as well. And he started the game pretty slow, I believe, and then got got into it nicely. I think in the first quarter, actually, he was on the bench for like a good 10 minutes. So this score could have been a 150. I just think he's one that's going to be up and down every week. But it's good to show that he he has that good ceiling and he's certainly um, able to average 100 plus for, for the rest of the year. So he's one where... You're going to have to ride those 80s and enjoy the 120 pluses when they come. I think it's it's going to be dependent on his matchup, how he scores, and then also if he can, like, 
keep that disposal efficiency up because sometimes he does turn the ball over. So if he can do that and he has a favourable matchup, he's one where he'll be most likely scoring pretty well. And without Elliott in the team, I think we'll get a slight bit rise in um, mid-minutes, which I'm not sure if it necessarily helps him, but it means he's spending more time around the ball. So he can't be doing too poorly. No. And uh, Jeremy McGovern, who's just been an absolute brick wall this season for sides to play against West Coast. I think he's averaging 11 intercept marks a game, which is just insane. Um, which is obviously translating to a very nice super coach scoring role. Um, can he keep this up, Thomas? Um, I don't think he can keep it up scoring-wise, but I think teams will start to pay a bit more attention to him just because of how dominant he is as an intercept mark. He's pretty much the best intercept marking defender in the comp and barely gets beaten one-on-one. So he's one that I think you miss the boat on if you tried to get him. However, the amount of ball that's going through, and we, we spoke about this last week, I believe, or in the Q&A, one of the two, um, with the amount of ball that's going into the defence uh, for West Coast, it's just he's going to accumulate more than he does so normally. And because of how important he's in the side, you just look at the, the screen there, he's 94% um, time on ground. He's barely getting a rest because of how desperate West Coast are needing him to stay on the ground. But you've also got to remember that um, a complement of West Coast players are still out isolating and, and what have you. So um, it's yet to see where he can, can keep it up. But if you started with him for whatever reason, you'd, you'd be laughing um, with a ridiculously good input of scores. I'd be with top top three defender scorings at the moment. So um, he's one that, you know, he's probably too late. Over 500k, wouldn't definitely wouldn't pay for him for that price. Maybe if he's like 450, which I think is what he similarly started with, like high 400s. Um, might be a different story, but I think you missed the boat on McGovern if you wanted to go down that route. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think his that ship sailed. Um, about Scott Pendlebury um, being defensive eligible? Now, I, I did play this a week or a couple of weeks ago saying that I was hoping he would get that half, he would, he would get that defensive eligibility. Um, and he's probably looking like sort of a top 10 defender. Um, what do you think about this, Jonas? Well, he's too expensive. He's 522000 now. He's injury-prone. Um, there's a lot of points going around there, and you can see the the ratio there. He was really effective that day, but he's not always going to be that e- effective and efficient. So he's one I'm happy to skip on because they're just better options who are slightly more expensive and a whole lot more durable. Is that then Scott Pendlebury? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Scott Pendlebury is going to going to play the whole year. He might get rested or do some sort of injury because he is well into his 30s. So as well on that, I'd be happy to pass up on given you've got – I don't think he'll be top six because I think Short's ahead of him, Dawson's ahead of him, Stewart, Hall, potentially Crisp, and then you've got Hewitt, and then anyone else who becomes defender eligible – um, so I don't, I don't think he's top six, so I wouldn't be paying over 500 for him. Fair enough. Um, right, so the next go. Um, so um, obviously we'll, we'll touch on this later on with um, Patrick Cripps um, unfortunately injuring his hamstring and being out for sort of three to four weeks. Um, so is Jack McRae a good option for Crips if you can afford to do the trade. I think it's probably going to be about, it's 150k. Um, do you think that's a good trade, um, Thomas? Oh, not uh, Jonas? Oh, Jonas can start off on this just completely. Sorry, Jonas, uh, did yeah. you hear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you can certainly do a lot worse. McRae is probably the best option out there. But if you're looking for value, he certainly doesn't present that at the moment. So it depends on what you do if, if you save money and get a slightly cheaper option, such as, I don't know, maybe a Steele, a Miller, an Oliver, someone like that, who those sort of players could be like 70K cheaper than um, McRae. And I think um, either, either way is 
fun. I think if you got like only eighty thousand or something from for Crips up, um, you can afford to get one of those premium is that's fallen a bit more. But if if you want to play it safe, um, McRae is certainly not not the worst option. It's probably the best option actually. Yeah, I think so. So having a look here, so um, Darcy Parish has come down a little bit. Uh, Petrarca's come down a little bit. Um, so I think there's definitely value in that midfield um, for those people who are considering trading out Crips. Um, um, what about Tim English? Now, had a little bit of a lower game by his standards this year, got 96. Um are you still concerned about one Stefan Martin coming back into this Western Bulldog side and basically him having to um, play with Martin in the ruck? Um, Thomas, what do you think? Um, English? Um, I'd be a little bit, uh, maybe not concerned too much. I was actually surprised he ended up on, on close to 100 there, which was quite impressive against Nan Curvis. Um, ruck is, is, Nan Curvis is a pretty ruckman himself. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Steph, Steph Martin does come in. He, he was suffering from COVID, I think, so he missed out two weeks. He's, he's waiting the wings, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially they got beat against Richmond. Um, could well bring it, another Ruffman in um, to help out English a little bit, which negates his scoring. But I think they're pretty – I saw a, a tweet um, about Beveridge um, saying, saying that he's pretty confident with, with uh, English as the main Ruffman for now, whether or not. That means that Steph Martin still comes back and, and English plays that number one rock is yet to be seen. But I, it's one of those things where you probably miss the initial price rise. So I wouldn't get him now, but maybe wait until he gets a few of these 90s in his system uh, and get the 150 out of his cycle. He can easily bring him in. Because I still think he's going to be a top six forward and in a handy rock swing uh, eligibility, which definitely helps. Um, but I definitely wait and add a little bit more. I think there's a few more 90s to come before you want to pounce on English. Yep, I think I'm the same there. Um, so next game, so Will Brody got 135, <laughs> which was the highest score in the game. I know we were flagging him last week as someone who perhaps you should um, perhaps get in despite his elevated price, and he certainly repaid that 135. Um uh, Jonas, since you're an owner, can you keep up the scoring? And uh, should we be bringing him in if you're a non-owner like Thomas is? Um, You only bring him in if you think he's a keeper from here on. And I don't think he's a keeper in the sense that he won't maintain this form of scoring with Sarong, Fife to come back. And I'm not sure how much mid-time Monday played that game, but... They've all got time in the midfield that they're owed. And I think that may push Brody out a bit. And then there's always a niggling doubt about his level of fitness. And that's going to become a more prominent issue as the season wears on. So I think he's one where if you've got him, you just enjoy the, the price rises and the good scoring. But... Yeah, as as you've highlighted there, seventy three percent time on ground, obviously a fantastic effort um, for the score he's had, but I don't think I think the sh- the ship has sailed. He's three hundred and fifty five thousand. I'm not sure you could really do that. I think you've got to bank against him now, and hope he sort of falls away because if you're picking him now, you're basically losing out against all the people who have got Brody since day one because whatever happens to Brody now, it's sort of like you're equal with those people who are owning him anyway. So I think at this stage, you've got to hope that Sarong and Fife, to a lesser extent, come back and sort of push him out a bit more. Does just follow up here. Would this change? Does this change your opinion? If I told you how the break even of negative sixteen and it's projected to go up fifty thousand this week, so that would push him above four hundred thousand. Um, would that change your opinion, or are you still going to stick by what you just said? No, it doesn't really change my opinion. I like he's scoring well and everything, but. At at 355k, you want him to make at least 
150k at this price or become a keeper and I think there are safer means to be able to to get that 150k off a rookie like O'Driscoll for instance um then risk it on Brody who could peter away a bit I think he will yeah I think that's fair enough too so speaking of O'Driscoll um, is O'Driscoll a solid option even with his price tag of being 168000 Um, Thomas, obviously, I, I've had him since day one. Um, I just left him on my bench when he wasn't picked in round one, so I'm glad that he's been picked and uh, his 104 on the weekend definitely helped. Um, but um, is he an option at 170k, Thomas? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um... Yeah, I think he was originally 102k, and he's now going to be bumped up to about 170 with his 100, uh, which is nice for for someone like you, Nathan, who's had him on the pine. Um, one twenty. So, uh, well, yeah, so really increased 50k. Sorry. Um, yeah, one twenty. Yeah, I'd say about 170. You'll get up to. Um, so he's definitely an elevated price tag for a rookie. If Proust misses with suspension, I think he's the one to go for this week. Um, he seems pretty locked down in that back line and scored two goals too, as you can see there, uh, for 100, which obviously impacts his scoring. But he's one that um, you definitely would want to take, I'd say. I wouldn't want to – if you had Proust and O'Driscoll, there'd be a bit of competition there, which rookie you might want to take if you want to take both or whatever's another question um, that is yet to be kind of seen. I think O'Driscoll's not a bad option as well. Um, Scoring-wise, he's definitely shown that he can score when given the opportunity. I think he's the only shit score he had was at 18. I think it was a sub, many sub there. And I think the other game he scored a 60. So his definitely scoring potential is pretty good for a rookie on-field option. Um, whether or not you want to pay 170K is another option entirely. But I think with the lack of rookies coming through, um, I mean... Neil Erasmus there, also a 70, but he's a 167K starting price rookie. Um, so it's one of the things where you just, I don't know, if you toss up whether he's still going to make you probably 150K, which it could well be with if you keep scoring these 60s or 70s. Yep. Um, I think that's fair enough. Um, so is Braden Proust a must-have? Obviously, he got reported on the weekend. Um what, what do you think about Proust, um, or is this just a simple case of waiting for the MRO to put down his verdict, uh, Jonas? If he if he's playing next week, he's, a, he's an easy must-have. He's clearly uh, rock one at the Giants at the moment, and he's doing pretty well. He hits it out to advantage. He's a strong unit and uh, doesn't need much of the ball to score well, so he's pretty obvious a pretty obvious selection for me because his break-even will be pretty low. I think if he plays this week and scores around 100, he'll be rising 80,000. Um, yeah, with an 80, he rises 76K. So, yeah, it's a pretty obvious decision for me. But hopefully for non-owners, he misses a week so you can get an extra price rise out of one of your other rookies before you downgrade them to Bruce or upgrade. Yeah, he's but. His break-even's minus 91, so um, a score of 80 season go up by 75k. So he'll be 200, pretty much 209k um, at the He's end of the week. He, so he plays Gorn next week. So yes, he does. Gorn and Jackson. Yeah. So that, that'll be a tough matchup. But if he misses that week, he'll then come on and play uh, Marshall and Ryder, which isn't. An easy matchup either, but I think at that price you've just got to cop maybe a a seventy five, which is still good enough. And saying that he did go one hundred and two against Darcy and one hundred and nine against Witt, so he certainly can hold his own. So I think he's already played two very good ruckmen and scored over a hundred. So I have no issues bringing him in, and I think if you're banking on him getting injured. That could very well happen, but he could play three games and make 150k before he does that, and then he's already a successful trade-in target. So I'd be I'd be backing him rather than hoping he gets injured. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I'm I'm hoping he misses this week, um, and that um, 
what's his name, Jack Hayes gets picked as St Kilda and can just go up another sort of 40 or 50k and then that's an easy downgrade for me. But um, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, uh, what about Tim Taranto? Um, another 121. Um, I know that the big question mark on the, his scoring is what happens when Toby Green comes out. But so far, he's putting the runs on the board. Um, what, what do you think about his long-term thing here, Thomas, uh, with Taranto? Um, I can only see Taranto's score getting better. Uh, obviously, um, he's got a a bit of an issue with his, uh, what do you call it, um, disposal efficiency, which has always been his main knock, like 32 disposals there. Uh, oh, one behind. quickly. Yeah. Bruce has been offered a one-week suspension, so that's good for us. Um, oh, I, that's big. Yeah, so, that's yeah. Up. So if you've went early on Bruce, unfortunately, it could be a bit of an issue. Um, you're hoping Hayes gets um, coming back for Ryder, which could be the same issue. But yeah, going back to Toronto, um, he's one that could be, yeah, people a bit sleeping on. Unfortunately, um, for for most people, I think have just missed out on him. He's actually scored pretty well, even though he's had this whole issue with disposal efficiency. He's had to ruck a fair bit of the pill to get to his scores, but if he's scoring that well, I mean, you can't knock him. You just take the scores on the board um, and he keeps on delivering. So if you if you have him for whatever reason, well done to you. Um, but he's one that I'd kind of wait a bit. There, there will be a downer game at some point where we'll score a 70 because he's had 20 disposals instead of 32. Um, but it'll be a wait and see with Taranto. But he's one that you probably will want on your side at some point. It seems like he just keeps scoring. I think with Taranto, he's – I prefer him over Henny. That's – potentially controversial, but he's less injury prone. He's got upside with Toby Green coming into the side and GWS winning a few more games. But I think he's one that you can safely sort of pick at this stage, given the amount of ball he gets. And he's a really good forward as well. So he finds just avenues to goal similar to Heaney. But he's one where if you want to sort of go against the grain, um, yeah, one, a bit of a point would, of difference. I wouldn't mind at all. He's one that I'd probably start looking at as well as a replacement for Cripps because I think there's only upside with his scoring with more midfield minutes on offer and JWS potentially performing better. But tough matchup against Melbourne coming up. will be interesting to see how he goes there. Yeah, obviously, Ellie got one behind on the weekend, but he has shown he can hit the scoreboard. Um, so moving on to Sunday's game. So um, is Andrew McGrath an, an option if he gets defensive eligibility? Um, I'll throw this one to you, Thomas. What, what do you think about McGrath? I'm um, just bringing up his scores now for the last couple games. He's definitely seen to flourish with no uh, Zach Merritt um, in the side, which is definitely handy. Unfortunately, I think that may impact his actual eligibility. Um, because he's spending a lot more time on ball, unfortunately. So I don't exactly know whether he's guaranteed or how it works with champion data and, and things like that. But, yeah, he definitely seems to flourish a little bit. He's had two down games before that, unfortunately, as well, 58 and 76. So it's yet to be seen whether um, this 111 is a bit of an abnormality or whether he can consistently score. But if he seems to getting a, um, he gets that eligibility and then continues his uh, role in the midfield to kind of sneaks into that eligibility role, and he's definitely not a bad option because he'll go down in price a little bit still um, and, and end up with the kind of early 400K. So you'd probably pick him up if he's defensive eligible in the mid 400s, which is definitely a worth a shout because um, he has the ability to score those 120s in the midfield. But it's one of those things where you want to make sure you get all the other top six defenders first and probably worry about him last because I think he'll still have the downer games. Um and it's one of those things where you want to make sure you've got your your stewards, et cetera, in your side first. But I think if he keeps this up in the midfield, um, 25 disposals for 111 is a pretty good return. So, yeah, nothing to shame about, but um, wait and see with, with what happens with this eligibility. Yeah, so basically just to clarify that, so in, in order to be DPP eligible, um, they have to spend 35% or more game time in that position. Um, so yeah. I think he was probably spending about 60-40 split 
in the back in the midfield and 40% in the back line when Merritt was in the side. But I think that's probably gone up towards sort of maybe the 75-25. Um, so I definitely think that that will impact his scoring. I mean, his eligibility. But I guess it's a wait and see with that. We've got a couple more weeks to go with that. Um so I'm going to throw this one straight to you, Joe, just because I know you've got both of these guys. Um, yes. What do Parrish and Dawson's ceiling look like? Um, obviously, Parrish, 121. Um, he seems to have relished Zach Merritt not being there. And Dawson, after his, I guess, controversial low score last week after kicking the match-winning goal, um, came out with another 97. So obviously, you've got both of these guys. So what do you think about these um these two I think Parrish looked a lot like the Parrish we saw in 2021 he was getting more of the ball in the contest rather than the first few weeks when he was getting it around the ground uncontested wise he was getting a lot more points from like center bounces and stoppages which was promising he did have a lot of the ball and you'd probably hope for a 140 with the amount of possessions he got but I think he certainly um, redeemed himself a bit, at least for me, from the last few weeks. And I think he's a pretty good um, upgrade option in the next few weeks. But you can sort of toss a blanket between him, Steele, Petrarca, Oliver. I'd probably be leaning toward Oliver. Um, but I think I'm not really sure if Merritt going out actually helps him, but he's definitely not playing. I was at the game. He, he was not playing any, um, any time up forward or anything like that. So it's good to see he's lining up at every, um, center bounce when the, when he was on the field, but hopefully he can get on the field a bit more because you know, that time on ground was 78%, but yeah, he's a great option. And then with Dawson, uh, your left child, He's, he's a jet. Uh, he was on 53 minutes into the fourth, and I wasn't even concerned the slightest about his scoring. I just knew he'd uh, get to about 90 because <laughs> that's just what he's been able to do. And, yeah, he's just got a great kick and, yeah, 27 touches. I think I think it, you can pretty safely put him down as a top six defender, and then you just have to weigh up if you want the – you like – scoring potential of like a Hall or the safety of a Stewart or the enjoyment of a Dawson because he gets the ball um, anywhere. Like on the wing, he'll float up forward. He was looking for a nice cheap handle from Walker towards the end of the game to, to kick a goal because he doesn't mind one of those either. And fortunately, he didn't take any kick. Oh, maybe he took one at the end. But yeah, he was playing predominantly wing. And then in the fourth, he went down back and scored 40 points. So if they can persist with him a bit more down back, like maybe have him down back for half the game, he'll average 105 for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair point. I think Dawson's definitely someone that I'm looking at, um, despite his roller coaster ride. Um, just before we go on to Hinge, um, I will give a shout-out here to Josh Rochelle, um, who... Some people, bizarrely, were trading out, had a break-even of 42 and comes out with 106. Um, so his break-even is now back down to 10 again. So he's got a few more weeks of money-making. So just just be really careful of when you're trading out your rookies and just making sure that you think that they're at the maximum price potential um, rather than just trading out a rookie for the sake of trading a rookie out. Obviously, if they get injured, then feel free. But... Um, yeah, I guess that's the danger of perhaps trading out someone before their time's up. Um, is that if they do go big, he's probably yeah got another couple of weeks of money making. Um, which speaking of which, um, Mitch Hinge, uh, only got the 37 on the weekend. I can see there's a little hospital sign on here. Um, so he did get subbed off. Um, what do we think here about Hinge, um, Thomas? So he's got a break even this week of 29. Um, he's averaging 65. Um, what do you think about Hinge as a trade this week? Um, 
it'd be interesting to see what the actual injury was. Obviously, I didn't watch it, so Jonas may have a bit more intel. I just said linked up with a hip problem. Um, you can yeah, probably see so on the think, screen now. Yeah, I don't think it was that serious. Um, his scoring did look pretty bad anyway, as it was. I think he might just be a hold because he's pretty much a lock in that side um, if he's fit and healthy to go, and he's got the potential. He scored a 90 the week before. Um, unfortunately, spent a fair bit of time on the bench. I think struggled to get on the field at times because uh, he started off the quarters on the bench, which probably didn't help him too much. Um, but yeah, as I said, probably ends up would get a 70-odd, maybe a 65-odd-ish. If he was playing the full game, as you can see there, 54% game time, pretty much missed half the game, which is not the worst in the world. I think there's bigger fish to fry with regards to hinge. Um, if it comes out and says it's a bad injury, uh, for what it's worth, and he misses a fair few, I'd, I'd say probably a trade and get rid of him. Um, whilst you can, if you're able to upgrade to a primo early, um, but he's one that I'd hold chip on. Obviously, it doesn't help his cash generation at the moment with the 37 in his system, but he's got the potential to score pretty consistently. I think he was one that people thought he was going to be a slow burn to start off with, so this is pretty much what you're expecting anyway, and you'd take what you got so far with his uh, cash generation. Yeah, I think if he's not named, I think him down to O'Driscoll might be a very popular trade this week. Um, Just quickly on um, Hinge, I think Nick said after the game that he probably won't play next week. But the fact he said next week sort of insinuates that the injury shouldn't be too long-term. Plus, it will present a good loophole, not only because McCartan and DeConing play. I think you can... can, um, you can emergency McCartan if he does poorly or if he does well, actually. You can then field hinge and then put deconing on the bench because deconing plays on the on the Monday. But in saying that, I'm not sure if McCartan actually gets up because wasn't he concussed? Um, McCartan, I'm not sure. I think yeah, McCartan, he was... he, I think he... Uh, when watching that game, he he basically got concussed in that collision with I think it was Cam Zerha. Yeah, uh, Zerha. Here we go. Yeah, McCartan was from what I heard in the commentary, he stayed on. He basically didn't leave, and the doctors actually dragged him off um, due to watching the tape again and actually having to remove him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he has to miss or is forced to miss, and because of McCartan's serious concerns with with prod. Uh, with um, injuries in the past, with his with his health, I think he's one that um, wouldn't be a bad move. But he's one that you know uh, also could could miss. Unfortunately, if that's the case, uh, it could be pretty grim looking for people down back because obviously you've either um, got McCartan and Hinge rotating, which if both of them are gone, it's a bit of a bit of a sticky situation. But um, I wouldn't also be surprised if he plays. I didn't think it was a serious one. It could have been just for the safety of McCartan, considering how much he's missed a footy due to concussion. Yeah, I think I think you would be cautious with McCartan, given how important he's proven to be in that Sydney side so far over the first couple of weeks. Um, so I don't think they're going to take any risks on McCartan. Um, if there's any doubt, I think they'll just rest him and let him recover given his history um so the Hawthorne game so James Sicily um so um another 100 plus score on the weekend he's definitely um probably been the second best pick behind George Hewitt from that sort of mid-priced defensive range um can he keep this scoring up Jonas uh I haven't watched much Hawthorne to be honest they're a pretty boring team so I'm not really there sure, but yeah, I think he certainly has the ability to, but there's so many mouths to feed down there, and Impy came back as well. I'm not sure exactly what his role was, but I think Sicily, he's not a top six, six defender. So if you picked him at 450K, you've done well, but if you're picking him now at a slightly more elevated price, you'd be hoping he'd be top six. And I don't think he gets there, even if he remains fully fit. So one that I'd probably skip and get in place of him a short, a Dawson, a Hewitt, a Hall, or whoever else you've missed, because I think they're going to 
put like at least 150 points on Sicily come season end. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Obviously, um, obviously I'm in a different boat because I started with Sicily, so that's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I think at that price, he's probably someone I'd look to avoid just because of that price. And obviously, he's still um coming back off that ACL as well. Um, which let's not forget that as well. So. Um, I'm going to throw this one straight to you, Thomas, because I know you're a Saints man and you obviously happy your Saints just belted the living pejesus out of Hawthorne <laughs> today. Um, yeah, I can see nice. Jack. I can see Jack Sinclair here, another 135. Um, so he's so far proving to be a top six looking defender. Um, did you pick him up this week or did you not get him in? And is he someone we need to look at? Um, unfortunately, I couldn't afford him, which was a bit of a pain because it was one that I was seriously wanting to bring in. I uh, just couldn't really get the funds from, I think it was an additional trade to get um, him in, but didn't, didn't use a trade button at all, which was nice to save a trade. He's one that I think you need to pay serious attention if you want to bring in a defender um, this week because... He's obviously going to keep rising. He's, he's early 520s, which I think based off the scoring you'd see in the last five to six or four rounds, sorry, um, is definitely unders for what you're paying for him. Um, obviously, we smashed Hawthorne, so he's scoring quite well. He was named on ball, which was nice to see, so I think they're trusting him to play in the guts. He did even play um, down back as well, so it didn't look like his scoring was slowed down. The, the, the players, I think, are realising how elite kicking he is. He basically has not real much um, deficiencies in his kicking skills, and, and I think it's really kind of showing now with the 135 or 35 disposals. He does get a lot of uncontested footy, but he just finds the ball, and when he gets the ball, he's real smart with it. So he's one that I think I'm getting less and less concerned of when the likes of Hunter Clark and, and Billings come back. I think Billings actually re-injured his hamstring. Um, so he's out for a bit longer, and Zach Jones is is obviously with his with his health concerns. Who knows when he comes back, and hopefully soon. But I think they're they're gaining comp- more and more confidence with having Sinclair in the mids. He has a dynamic that we've never really had before in that midfield. So I think this is probably the last week I'd want to get him in if you are looking to get him in because you're paying five fifty all of a sudden. Maybe you want to reconsider because he doesn't have the, the huge heights of maybe 150 scores, but he hasn't dropped below 100 yet, and he's, I think, um, and if he can keep it up, uh, definitely, yeah, eagerly top six at this rate. Yeah, and uh, someone else who sort of cropped up is on the run sheet here, but, but Jay Gresham's uh, proven to be a little bit of a uh, late rising cash cow for those who went with him. Um, another 106, so um, he's gone up 65k's break even six this week. So I think if you got Gresham in, um, I think that's so far proven to be a win. Um, but anyway, so the last game of the week, so Gold Coast uh, versus Carlton. So obviously, um, there's a massive headache here with Patrick Cripps, who I know a lot of people have jumped on. Um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I only got the 38 that was <clears> subbed out at halftime. Or was it, it might have even been quarter time. Um, what do you think about this, um, Jonas, and how does it impact the other Carlton midfielders? I think it's one of those where you just have to wait for the scans. If it's more than two weeks, you trade, and if not, I think the form that he's been in justifies holding him. And he was on track for another solid Yeah, he was. Plus. So if he's only out for one to two weeks, I think it's a pretty straightforward hold. Otherwise, yeah, you can offload him. But as for the other midfielders, I think it it may positively affect Hewitt and Chera. But I think it has a negative impact on Walsh because he's got less of a an outlet of getting those handballs that Cripps usually passes on to him, and he might cop a bit more attention. But I think it certainly benefits the other two mids. But in saying that, I don't think it will have too much of an impact because I can't see 
Chris being out for longer than a month because from what I could tell, he was like jogging a bit after pulling that hamstring injury up high. And it didn't look too severe in the sense that he wasn't like horribly limping or like not able to run at all. It was just seemed like a bit of a, I put it this way, it didn't look like a Trelaw hamstring that he did a few years ago against Carlton. It seems like a, a slight little tweak. Like severe thing. One. So I don't think he'll be out for longer than a month. But if he is out for a month, you, you're definitely trading. I can just say on here as well that uh, Hewitt was tagging Tuke Miller. So does that concern you that he might be given tagging jobs and his scoring might perhaps be impacted a bit, um, Thomas? Obviously... Um, bit off topic here because I'm just so annoyed that I didn't pick him um, <laughs> two two weeks ago. Um, so another 120. Yeah. Um, and I can yeah just say on here, he's been tagging Tuke Miller. So what what do you think about this? If does this concern you a bit if he's gonna get tagging roles? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't I think they can't afford to deploy him as a tag. I don't think it was a hard tag. If anything, it might be a tag around the stoppages. Um, to stop Miller getting the initial clearance because of how dominant Wits was in the ruck without the likes of uh, Pitney, unfortunately, this week for Carlton fans. But, um, yeah, I could see Hewitt's score just continuously improving without Cripps, and if, if so, he's out for the next couple of weeks. Um, he scored a 120 again. He's been so consistent, and he doesn't look like slowing down. Um, I think he was one of those players from Sydney that the only reason why he wasn't showing these scores earlier was because of he was deployed as such a heavy tagger at Sydney um, and then even went to the defence a little bit, whereas Carlton is being used as a very consistent um, very consistent midfielder. The other player I'd be a little bit interested in is Adam Saad um, from Carlton. The whole defensive line looked real strong and they've been scoring well. Obviously not necessarily translating to wins, but, I mean, Zach Williams maybe not with, with 36 disposals, but Doherty, if you got him... Round one, you'd be laughing. He's been the number one defender um, and been so good for, for Carlton. Side's another one I'm interested in a little bit. Um, 23 disposals for almost a 130 is a pretty good out, uh, return. Um, and I think he scored above 100, and I think he missed one because of COVID. But, yeah, he's one that is on my radar a little bit. If he continues his strong runner form, if I'm able to, to bring in uh, the players that I want. But, yeah, he's... The whole, whole um, Carlton defensive line has, has actually scored real well super coach-wise for the last couple of weeks, um, having said that. Yeah. Um, and uh, have you got well, Jonas? I think a lot of people do, and I am one of those. And Okay, so what are you going to do with well this week? Obviously another 65, um, which is, I guess, disappointing for what you probably expected from him. But given his price, it's probably not the worst. Um, what what are you going to do with Rail this week? I'm going to hold him for a bit longer, but yeah, any any aspirations of him being a keeper are out the window. I think he's had a bit of a role change. I think he's more playing more accountable, and yeah, he's just not getting as much as the ball, and that showed again with not even cracking 20 touches. So it's a bit of a concern, but. Yeah, hopefully he can rebound next week. But, yeah, one that I'll probably look at upgrading soon, especially if he starts dropping in price because I think he'll have a pretty high break even this week given that 157 will be out of his cycle. Yeah, yeah just had a look think... there. His break even 68, so he's pretty much, I think, unless he pumps at another 120-plus, he's, he's reached his limit. Um with price generation. But, yeah, he seems to be deployed more as a tagger. Then, yeah, just hold because he's not going to leak in money. He's not going to leak too much, yeah, exactly. But, Um, yeah, I think that's all we've got time for Um, tonight. We've we've tried to pump this out pretty quickly and trying to get it out quickly um, when we can, especially with these Sunday games, with an earlier finish, which is nice. Um, So, hopefully, if... If we have the opportunity to um, with these earlier Sunday games, we can pump this out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be returning later this week with a with another Q and A, which has been quite well with the with the, with you guys putting in your questions. Obviously, leading in towards 
um, round six uh, defense. Uh, sorry, uh, de- uh, position. What do you call it? position. Yeah, position eligibility moves and things like that. And uh, definitely the competition spicing up now with with now trades providing a lot more um, value than than previous weeks. And I think it'd be make or break for a few teams leading into um, the, the future rounds, especially if you're high up there. But until then, we'll uh, we'll catch you later this week uh, for the next Q and A.